So it's come to my attention that people around the office think it's strange that I take the lid off my coffee cup and that I'm a dangerous person because I walk around with no lid on the coffee. What, did this just come down just now? Yeah, it's just people uh, offended by this move by me. First of all, I want the coffee to cool down immediately so I can drink it. I got a sensitive palate, all right? Mm. It's refined. <laughs> but it's it's sensitive, it's delicate. I can't just hammer back a, a red hot coffee. Right. Like, I need to ease in. Like, I'm not a jump in the pool guy. I'm a take a couple steps, so I take the lid off when I'm walking around. But I've never spilt it. Like, have you ever, have you ever seen, I'm told, I'm like a fighter pilot. Look at that hand. Look how steady that is. It's a surgeon hand. That, I missed my calling. <laughs> I truly missed my calling. Why are you a host? <laughs> because I sucked at school and I'm dumb. But I had the hands for it. I had the hands for it, maybe. <laughs> I, I can't believe the fellows are upset about this. I think they're just complainers. And, mm. you know, our next, our guest today, one of our guests today, absolutely knows something about one of those complainers, Sam McKee. But I, I got I to gotta say this quickly before we get to Kipper. I know he's on the line. So Alec Manoa stinks last night. He labors. He throws 92 pitches. It's just, it was exactly what we saw before he went down to the Florida Complex League, which is just so disheartening because it's the walks. It's the five walks. And yeah, whatever. There's the one that goes against them and boo-hoo. It's a strike call that goes against you. That's what happens in sports all the time. And you only talk about it when it's confirmation bias that goes against you. So he sucked. Five, like five walks, bunch of runs, didn't get a single strikeout and just looked like the guy that we saw before who's just struggling and laboring, however, whatever you want to use, whatever adjective you want to use, you know what he looked like last night. And this sucks because Jays don't have a lot of run room runway here. They got to figure out what they have in Alec Manoa because this isn't just about like trying to all of a sudden. The Rays are hanging around you. They lost again last night. They didn't gain any ground. The playoff race is still very much alive, even though they built themselves that little bit of a cushion. But yeah, you're, you're still fighting for your playoff life. And then your option is Ryu. Okay. He's not even throwing 85 pitches yet. You don't really know what you have there. So in a weird way, you have this surplus of guys that all could be good. But then you also have a couple of guys that might not even be usable or they might help hurt you in your playoff chase. Mm-hmm. So do you have to have, add a starting pitcher with what little resources you have? Anyways, I, I would recommend going and reading Shai Davidi's piece up on sportsnet.ca. This morning was really, really good, and it gives a really clear picture of just the, the situation that the Blue Jays are in right now with their roster crunch, their timelines, and their prospects. It's a, it's a really good, all-encompassing picture. And, yeah, I'm going to talk to Tim Kirchin later. Anyways, I made Nick Kiprios wait. What's up, Kipper? How are we doing, brother? The next time... I see you walking the hallways without a lid on your coffee. I am going to run your ass. right. I'll pour it right in your face. I'll throw it right in. I'll see you coming. I got reaction time of an IndyCar racer. I will throw that sucker right into your beautiful shirt. Like, it will go right onto you. Yeah. I I played in the era where I could figure out blind spots. I got my head on a swivel. I, I'm no sucker. I will see you coming. I, and I will hear the chuckling of the people around you. That's going to be the problem. They're going to give you away. People are going to give you away, well, Kipper. I will pour it all over savvy. your nice, beautiful little Buddha merch. It will be, you'll be covered. You will be covered. Like, it will be absolutely done, brother. Uh, so I Wear see. Wear a mirror. 
I see you're at uh, some NHLPA events, looking like you're having a, a just a hell of a time. Um, so you're with Ty. And here's my first question for you. Do you think that we yeah. see Tom Brady at a Leafs game this year? I told Ty that day we did the uh, NHL alumni tournament yeah. uh, up in Coppinwood that if I don't see Brady Wahlberg uh, at, at, at once a week, once at, a week, Social Bank Arena, once oh, yeah. a week, yeah, like wow, if, it's exactly if mm. I don't see at least three of his best friend celebrities, um, you know, uh, no, I'm not gonna have any time for him. Hmm. You know, so, this is interesting. He knows, he, he, the, the alumni, the alumni box has to go to another level now that yeah. uh, ties got such uh, famous friends. Yeah. Here's the thing. You're kind of, you're the king of the alumni box in terms of hobnobbing with celebrities, right? Like we have you with Tim Cook on record. We have you with Bill Burr on record. Do we have you with Ryan Reynolds? Was that one of them? I can't even. <laughs> no. I, honestly, no, no. I don't know who. I, I know we have the pictures of you and Rafa Nadal just hanging out and yeah. just, you know. I'm sneaky. Yeah. I'm, I'm sneaky celebrity guy. <laughs> yeah, bro. You, it's not <laughs> sneaky anymore. You are the celebrity guy. And that's the thing. Is Ty going to show up and start challenging you for who sits at the very front of the box with the top A celebrity? Like, this is a big. Yeah. No, no, no. Big swivel in the yeah the alumni box. Listen, uh, you know we're 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 knocking you know on our sixties, but he will still put me in a headlock. So <laughs> I, I, I give it to Ty. Ty is the leader of the uh, Leaf alumni box from here on in. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say this, man. The thing that I'm most excited about with Max is. It's a guy who really does want to be here and who's wanted to be here for a while, right? And and this has felt like something missing from what the Leafs have had. And and it was kind of even, I got to admit, it was a little tough to swallow Ryan O'Reilly's departure simply because you looked at it and the stuff came out about the limelight and whether or not he liked playing in the city and it was different. You go, man, when you first showed up here, people thought like you really wanted it. And there was Felino. When he came in, he desperately wanted to be a Leaf. He put on his dad's old hat. And, and that wasn't a situation where he wanted to leave. That was one where he ended up getting priced out. He just ended up getting too good of a deal with Boston. But it's nice to have a guy who, not even, not even having played with this team, put his money where his mouth was and said, yeah, I'll take less than what the, what the market is going to offer me. I want to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, making statements about wanting to be here long term. And I, I wonder... If you think that any of that culture can shift from anybody other than Austin Matthews, because we're just like, now we're into the middle of July, Kipper, and I'm bothering you when you're supposed to be on the course. I thought that this was (laughs) supposed to be, you know, over and done with a month ago, and we're still sitting here going, well, when is the top guy going to sign the big money deal that gives us a picture of what everything else is supposed to look like culture-wise? Yeah. Well, listen, just to go back on on Max and his decision, and, you know, I lived through it personally as a as a, a guy that was born and raised in Toronto and got to yeah. put that uniform on. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's to each his, his own, whatever, you know, you, you want to get out of it. Some people love the limelight. Some people think they like it and then they find out they don't like it. I mean, there's no right or wrong. Sometimes there are people that I've talked to that really got offended with Ryan O'Reilly, not wanting to be a leaf. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, but you know, until you've worn those skates in that situation and you've dealt with the things on and off the ice, I mean, you can't, it, it, 
you can't really sit there and say, you know, he's right or he's wrong. Like I said, it's such a personal preferential uh, on whether or not this works for you, that this environment works for you or not. You know, in Max's case, he was born and raised in this environment. He's watched it with his dad. He knows the pros. He knows the cons of being a Toronto Maple Leaf, or should I say the challenges of being a Leaf. And at the end of the day, he's been around the league long enough to know exactly what he's getting himself into on this commitment. And as much as we can sit there and and convince people how great it is to be a Leaf or what, how, what a privilege and honor, at the end of the day, hey, Max, go out there and get the job done. Mm-hmm. Like, there is nothing better than uh, to, to than getting the job done as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Because if you don't, as much as you want to tell people how much you love it here or want to be here or the honor or the privilege, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It just matters if you go out there and, and get the job done. And Max knows it. He's at it. He's mature enough. He's been around. He's played in uh, some of the toughest markets uh, ever in Montreal. And he knows he's going to have to go out there. He's going to probably contribute 15 goals, maybe 40, mm-hmm. 50 points. And then... Uh, bring attitude and edge to the team that they've been sorely missing. If he can do that, mm-hmm. then he's got a tremendous opportunity to to end, you know, hopefully his career in Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, and as far as as far as your frustration with Matthews and you know the contracts with maybe Nylander, and again, what's the holdup? And to each his own. If if someone sits there and says that. Uh, you know, I don't care about uh, you know what this looks like. I, I deserve my money. I, I, I'm, I'm the best player, or you guys use me as the best player. I, I'm gonna go get my money. It's not necessarily works from Austin Matthews. What's the delay? Is he's trying to squeeze out more money, more term, less term, whatever works for you? That is your right as a player to, to, to negotiate how you feel is best for you or your family. Yeah, that's fine. He can negotiate however he wants, and the Nylander one yeah. seems a little bit more clear. What I'm more confused by when it comes to the Matthews stuff is Dubas departs. Like, this is the, let's do the, the Matthews timeline. Dubas departs, and there's a little bit of smoke of, hey, maybe now Matthews doesn't want to be back. He needs to hear what Tree Living's pitch is. And then... Which I thought was BS. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I, this is just, I'm just doing the, uh, the public-facing optics. So they, he needs to hear what Trey Living's pitch is about the organization, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, Trey Living gets to pitch to the guys, him and Shanahan, and then a couple of the players just fairly recently even go sort of public with, yeah, you know, Trey Living gave us these assurances about having faith in us and skill and blah, blah, this goes a long way and we all want to be here. Then reporting starts to come out from just about everywhere that, hey, Matthews and the Leafs, they're close and it's kind of kind of come down to maybe what the term is. It's going to be a shorter contract. It's going to be a number that looks pretty significant to people. But these two parties are basically on the goal line. And this is before July 1st, right? July 1st happens. We start seeing the signings. And then the Matthew story sort of sneaks away because Nylander starts taking all the press clippings, which, again, makes sense because Nylander's the guy that sat out. Nylander's the guy where the reports are that there's real division there, that he wants more than what guys that are similar to him are making on the market. I just, 
I still feel the same way I did the first time around with all these guys, which is the top guy has to set the number and has to set the priority. Like it goes even to the Domi thing where you say, all right, you know, he's going to bring some attitude or they love using snot right now. I've never heard snot so much in my, like this is now <laughs> the word is that the leaf snot. It's all about snot. Anyway, I, I just have a, tr I have a hard time believing that, you're ever going to be able to get to the negotiating table with a guy like Nylander or a guy like Marner in a reasonable way until you know what the Matthews number is. And so, like, that's my question is when well, do we start to see movement here? Like, I know you said it's his right, but now we're in the, again, we're yeah. in the middle of summer. He's going to be back in Arizona. He's going to be on the golf course. He wants to go to probably UFC yeah. events or Bieber's house or whatever. Like, when, when does the next domino happen here? Well, it's when Matthews and uh, his, his agent, uh, Judd, decide and I don't know whether we're in a blinking contest or not between Nylander or Matthews or who needs to go first, but if I'm Austin Matthews, I'm not holding my breath on Nylander's uh, contract getting done at all at any time this summer. No. So how far does Matthews want to go into the season now without a contract? And if it is as close as everybody's reporting and – you know, everybody that I've talked to says it's a, a 13.5 AAV. Then what is the term? Is it uh, six years, five years, three years, two years? That mm. I think I think for me, uh, the biggest decision right now, which I think Austin can't decide on or they haven't made a, a final decision is, is how many years will what we believe is a 13.5 AAV uh, last. And it's important. It's an important decision because the majority of the stars out there, they're, they're signing, they're committing seven or eight years. And I think it's, it's, it's going to set up a little bit of the climate around his contract on, mm. on whether or not people buy in that this is a good thing or a bad thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He signs a two-year deal or a three-year deal. Everybody's sitting there going, well, mm. you're just waiting for more money down the road, and this isn't a real commitment. And he's going to have to deal with all of that. So it is really important, I think, that, uh, that he gets this right so it, he can move forward without people turning around right away and saying, hey, he's, all he cares about is just getting richer when the cap goes up. Mm -hmm. Man, I got to tell you, the, there's no scenario. I don't care. <laughs> he could make can make five million bucks if it was a two-year commit that's a nightmare like that's just this not that's not going to cut it here i was going to say if he's 13-5 though on a five-year yeah. term i think that's a win for everybody involved like then he turns 30 years old it's cap up it's one more big money deal and yeah he still ends up being yeah. you know one of the richest players to ever play the game maybe the richest after this thing's all said and done so i, I don't know i just so you really think that it could come down to like that few years because it feel it always felt like five was the kind of maximum number that you were going to lock down a guy like this for yeah i'm i'm with you i i think he flirts with anything lower than five years mm -hmm. in terms of having people really question you know where his heart is or you know where the money is or what's important to him uh getting out of town uh when he can still hit a big contract all of that mm -hmm. will come into play and, you know, the Leafs are dealing with uh, a Kyle Dubas five-year uh, contract that you know, is, is hurting the, the team right now, mm -hmm. no question. 
And I, back then you, you thought five years is a long time and it ended up being a, a very short time because that one's painted a, a that, that contract alone may be the reason why you're going to lose Nylander or, mm-hmm. or, or not have the ability to re-sign Nylander. Timing of these contracts expiring is as important as the AAV or, you know, um, no question about that. And right now, Tree Living's behind the eight ball uh, with Nylander and Matthews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, listen, uh, I'm, I'll just say... I was on the right side of history of this. I took a lot of crap when I, when these contracts first came down the pipe and I went, these are ridiculous term. And people were like, this is the modern contract and this is how things are going and blah, 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 blah. And this is fine. And it's five years. And now we're all sitting here and I was like, I told us so. <laughs> this is yeah. not, this is not ideal. And you're right. This isn't going to end up being right, like, listen, go, go back to McDavid. McDavid was the best player on the planet so when he signed his extension and Edmonton would have nothing to do with anything less than eight years Mm. and right now they're they're lucky can you imagine if Edmonton was in a situation where he signed a five or six year deal the panic in Edmonton today Mm -hmm. if that extension was anything less than eight years Mm -hmm. so what do you think the most likely outcome is now with Nylander because it's starting it went from hey, these negotiations are bad and he could get traded. And then, you know, you start to see trade packages that happen for good players. And then all of a sudden, you know, Carlson's name starts coming up. And I, I, I thought, okay, at this point, I, I don't really see how that ends up working given how your defense pairings break down, like who ends up going out the door. And the, the smoke now seems to be more and more. And, and again, I don't know who this has come from. I know Nylander's back in Sweden, but there's more and more buzz about letting Nylander just play it out, which I, I think I'm a little surprised by given who the general manager is now, right? The guy that just let Johnny yeah. Goudreau walk, someone who said that he yeah. wouldn't go through a situation like that again or that he learned from that situation, given what the Leafs have in their system and kind of their depth and the implication of letting a guy like Nylander just walk for nothing for one Stanley Cup year. I, I, it feels awkward to me. It feels like a pretty heavy pivot. But this seems to be, like, for you, what, what do you think happens here? Like, what, what happens with this contract and this player? I, I think he's going to go, I think he's going to go to training camp without an extension. That's what I think. And it's not like you have a ton of choices if you're Brad Tree living. I, I don't think this is the climate right now for a trade. And I don't think the climate will change between now and September. Uh, if if he was if he was to trade Nylander now, he would not get value back that uh, Lee fans would accept. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, it's just when we're talking about a uh, a climate that is still conducive to a stranglehold of a salary cap. There's not there's not a lot of teams that could 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 trade for him and, and feel like. You know, they're going to give up a sufficient amount of future. And if it is, it would be a team that isn't up against the cap. And if it's a team that isn't up against the cap, why do I want to give away three of my major pieces when I can get him for free next July? Hmm. So I, I I don't see a scenario where uh, there's a trade out there anytime soon that would make Lee fans happy. So most realistic outcome is that he just plays out this season and then walks at the end of the year? 
Well, you know, I think, you know, if, if you're the Leafs and you watched uh, Pasternak go through it with Boston and then find out that he signed when? When did he sign? Yeah, February, like, yeah, right, yeah, right at the end of the year. Is, is, is that your hope? that you could start the season like Pasternak did in Boston without a contract and then work your way through it and then finally hit a number that, you know, you can live with. That mm. might be more of a, a scenario uh, that they can hope for than, than having a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that, uh, you know, he's asking for 10-5 right now or 11 and, uh, and you're offering eight or eight and a half. Uh, the Pasternak one, though, you at least had a history of getting deals done with your stars that were friendlier ones. And, yeah, his they, you know, they pushed it, and it got a little hairy, and uh, I don't know. I just, it never feel, felt realistic, like, that he was going to leave, especially given, you know, what Marchand's age was and Bergeron's future and the fact that Boston just needed him to still be the face of their franchise and that they could just kind of figure out the pieces around it. Nylander does feel different in the sense of if he wants 10, then... It, they, you keep pushing into the season, he's only going to gain more and more leverage on you. And so I would have to think that, yeah, to me anyways, the smarter outcome would be, sure, of course you're exploring a trade in the offseason. You're still calling teams on them. You're asking for what offers might be out there. But yeah, you let it go into the season, but with the idea of you might actually trade him at the deadline. Like you could make a really splashy move where something comes back if you don't know by then that you're trying to do something that helps you win now that maybe isn't all that good in terms of like, you're never going to win this trade with a star player. It just feels really, really difficult yes. to believe that's ever going to happen anyways. But if I'm Brad tree living, I, I can't have the scenario where you get bounced in the first or second round again. And then Nylander packs his bags and goes to a different market yeah. and you're left staring around going, wait, so now we've only got Matthews on another short contract. We've got to do a new deal with Marner. Tavares is aging out of this thing. And what do we have in the system? One player, Matthew Nyes, like, eh, not good enough. You, you got to turn him into something yeah. at some point. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, uh, you know, all of those scenarios come into play that the, the culture uh, was much different when it came to players signing in Boston than in Toronto. Uh, you're not wrong on any of that. Mm. Um, but you also are in a position now where, you know, J.D., you look at the hockey club right now and you go, as is. People mm -hmm. want to crap all over the blue line. As is, they're... They're good enough to make good. the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. They're good. No question. They're good already. So, so you're fine. Mm -hmm. So you start with Nylander. You go in with the defense that you have now, mm -hmm. and you just get to a point where you're now uh, coming towards February or March, and you know the 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 blue line's good enough to get you in the playoffs. What we do know almost for a fact that it ain't good enough to win in the playoffs. No. So maybe just maybe by then if you can't get a deal done with Nylander, then that's your major piece to go get help on the blue line at the trade deadline mm -hmm. to take another run uh, at the playoffs with a a different look. He can provide that different look even if you traded him at the uh, at the deadline, he will bring in very good pieces to help you on that blue line. And again, it's the it's the best possibly of a, of a very, very tough situation. If Nylander feels like he can get 10.5 or 11 next year uh, on the open market, then, you know, he should let them know now so they can start making decisions. Mm -hmm. See, this the, the only thing that scares me too about the idea of letting guys walk into the season with these expiring deals is... 
the fear of kind of like that mercenary culture, right? I, I think that a guy like Nylander, um, who's going to be in a contract year, is going to try to outperform it, prove everybody wrong, score a bunch of goals, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't think he's going to dog it. But it, it does, this is why the Matthews contract, when you're talking about, hey, the, the fewer the years, the scarier to me it gets. You need to have the commitment from him. You need to have yeah. that kind of thing at the top because you've got Tyler Bertuzzi, on that one-year deal. You've got Max who says he wants to be here. That's awesome. But still, it is a one-year deal. And then you're going through Klingberg, same thing, mercenary kind of guy. TJ Brody's going to be on the final, like the end of his contract. Mark Giordano, I don't know what his future is going to be like, but that's the same thing. Marner's going to have to deal with something in the offseason. It just, to me, the scary part of that, not having Matthews and Nylander locked up to some term or knowing what your future looks like, at least with those guys, is everyone on your team is in a state of flux. And so I guess this is an outsider's opinion on this. I don't know. Do you think that's actually a thing? You think that that's something that could creep in for a team like that where, yeah, everybody's on a short-term deal or everybody's looking around and saying, hey, I'm either gone at the end of this year or I'm gone in two? Honest to God, I I think that's not just a a Leaf scenario, but that's probably the majority of the league right now and Mm. and what your philosophy is on eight-year deals and, you know, whether or not players want to start betting on themselves so they can bring their salaries up and if yeah it's you know i don't know if uh if that's the best thing for um the leaf uh gift shop uh when it comes to buying jerseys mm-hmm. you're gonna have to get that uh velcro nice. on the letters so you can peel them all and uh, off because yeah. no one's willing uh, to stick around long enough but hey this is this is salary cap at its finest mm-hmm. here and you know it's I feel for the players because we knew all along it was going to be, okay, you know, either I'm going to get paid less and look like a great team guy or I'm going to get paid more or my my true value and look like a greedy bastard. Yeah. So, you know, pick pick your poison, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. Pick I, your poison. The worst and part just, is I would totally be greedy. Thing. I'd be the greedy it, bastard 100%. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not – it's not a leaf thing. It's a league-wide uh-huh. issue on philosophy and uh, and how you want your turnover uh-huh. and what the fans will accept, not accept. Like you know, in two or three years, if Matthews and Nylander are gone, I mean, you're gonna jack up the ticket prices another 12 percent. Are they gonna pay? Hey, those are all yeah. tough, tough decisions. <laughs> tough decisions. Were leaf tickets cheap before those guys got here? I thought because. <laughs> I remember being broke and going a Leafs game to my friends. Who do you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, who are your friends? Who yeah. is your father? What does he do? What company you know. does he work for? Like, no, no, no. I don't think the ticket prices are ever going down. Okay, so I know you got to run. So last thing quickly here. You said it. You're yeah. gonna. So you're going into the season with these blue line pairings because, like, the guy I keep circling is, man, Trey Living already walked off of TJ Brody. Like, they were down to trade him his final year. They let him walk to free agency. They didn't really worry about it. He was in trade rumors before. He wasn't a guy that he backed. He did look like a guy that lost the step in the postseason last year. And when I'm looking at the blue line and trying to figure out ways to balance it out, I don't really like what I see. Right now I see Riley with Brody and then Klingberg with Jake McCabe. And now you're leaning still on Mark Giordano to give you minutes with Timothy Lilligren. Like they they feel thin. Yeah. No, they are thin for sure. And I can tell you if Mark Giordano's coming back, um, it will be solely on, uh, you know, you're not going to see him playing 20 minutes most nights. Hell no. That's not happening. Hell no. So whether or not, you know, you want to find a way 
to bring him back and, and play 50 or 60 games, many nights off, you know, I don't even envision him being a, a starter in the playoffs if he decides to come back and play another year. So that, 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 that blue line um, needs help. There, no question about it. But again, how much of a rush are you in? Do you trade Brody out and get a bigger defenseman, younger defenseman, yes. a, a prospect? There's value in Brody uh, to, to move him. Teams need help on the blue line desperately. So, you know, just, just the sake that you want a bigger body than, than Brody's, uh, that's out there for sure. But, uh, you know, like I said, this blue line should be good enough to help you make the playoffs, but not, not a blue line that can help you win in the playoffs. No, dude, they're a regular season blue line. You know, like it's, it's as regular season yeah. a blue line as it gets. Klingberg, yeah. you know, and I, Riley is obviously turned himself into a playoff performer. But I just mean like you got a bunch of offensive guys and yeah, some guys at the you know. cl- getting closer to the end of their careers. I just, yeah, I, after seeing what Vegas had on their blue line, and of course Toronto's not going to transform their entire decor. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, compare yeah. what they have to Vegas right now. And no, it's t- not even close. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Is this, there's got to be some type yeah. of a shift here. I just I don't know if you yeah. can leave all that work to the season where you go. We're doing Nylander in season. You know, we're doing our blue line in season. In the meantime, just get you know Samsonov will probably sign a short term deal. Mm-hmm. I don't see this thing getting played out uh, in arbitration. You'll probably see him on a two year deal, mm-hmm. low threes. Yeah, you know. Just solidify that a little bit. You're going to probably have to give up an asset to move Matt Murray, unfortunately, for for watch that scenario again. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't eat that contract next year. So you can you can work around the blue line for now. All right. Hey, Kipper, thanks for making time today, buddy. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Have a great one. See you, pal. Uh, there he goes, Nick Kiprios, host of Real Kipper and Born. Uh, I got a lot of thoughts on this, obviously. I do want to get to Tim Kirkjian because he's on the other side. All I will say is that the the blue line that you got to be thinking about trading one of two guys or maybe two guys, and that's Lilligren and it's Brody. There's no one else. They just signed Klingberg to the one-year deal. They're not moving Morgan Riley, right? Mark Giordano doesn't have any value. He's not going anywhere. Jake McCabe's too valuable to you given how much money he actually makes. Those guys are set in stone. Lilligren I like. But in terms of trying to improve and having value, he just seems like a guy that could actually net you something. Same with Brody. I would have to imagine that he still covers value around the league despite how he played. But I can't, that if I'm the Leafs, I can't have another scenario where you shake up the entire team in the middle of the year again, the way that Dubas did this past trade deadline. Like you can't have Nylander, his pending contract situation, Marner's pending contract situation around the corner, a couple of, a bunch of guys who are unrestricted free agents that could all walk away for nothing where your roster is left really depleted and then also have to work on your blue line come trade deadline. That just feels like a a, a bit too much for me. Not to mention like how certain are you that you're going to absolutely have your goaltending situation set if it's Samsonov and Joe Wall in the middle of the year. Anyway, um, quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk about the American League East with Tim Kirkjian. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, very excited for our next guest, a legend. Winner of the 2022 Baseball Writers Association of America Career Excellence Award. He's a writer, he's an analyst for ESPN. 
Uh, three books too. That's pretty impressive. Three books is good. That's a good amount of books. It's not just like one book, you know, any sucker can write one book. I could never write one book. I could never. Could you write one? Just no, know this. If there, if I ever have a book out, it's because someone wrote it for me. <laughs> I pieced together some scraps and went like, here's a couple stories I have on some cocktail napkins. Do your best. Uh, and his, one of his books actually has one of my favorite titles, which is I'm Fascinated by Sacrifice Flies. It's K- Tim Kirkjian. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Uh, would do a little better had Alec Manoa pitched well yesterday, though. Got to say, because, you know, he... he he shut down the Tigers, Tim, and that looked great after he came back from his rehab assignment. We went, okay, maybe the Cy Young Award winner is going to be back, or not winner, but yeah, nominee is going to be back. Maybe the Blue Jays are going to have a top three guy. Maybe they're going to fix their own problems internally. And then yesterday he walked five batters against a good opponent in San Diego. Um, just looked like himself from before, which is a pitcher who's lost himself. And yeah, I, I just am curious from your standpoint, how much, if you're the Jays, can you rely upon looking at the next couple of starts with Alec Manoa and potentially Hunjin Ryu and have it affect your deadline plans? Or do they have to basically be set already from a start like that? Yeah, last night was a troublesome start. He threw almost 100 pitches in three innings. He didn't strike out anybody. And it looks like all the problems that they saw earlier in the season are still there. Now, I refuse to believe that a guy with that kind of stuff has lost it completely. So I think they just have to hope that he finds it. They have to hope that when Ryu comes back, he's going to be good, which is asking a lot for someone who's been out as long as he has. But I would not go and spend everything you have to go get Lucas Giolito or Marcus Stroman and, you know, really mess with your system and your, you know, your resources when you have two pitchers, if it all works out, are going to help you get to the playoffs and maybe even do something in October. So that's what I think the Jays are going to do and do, even though it's a risky move, to say the least. Yeah, that's the thing, is if you look at the timeline of this ball club, they're supposed to be top-tier contenders right now. And, like, we don't know what Atkins' future looks like, certainly. Um, we, well, there's only a couple more years left of Vlad and Bo on these rookie deals and or whether you have just team control. And so it just you do wonder how aggressive a team like the Blue Jays is going to get in a chase like this. I think one of the bigger questions, though, for them is going to be if they feel as though they can catch the Rays. And uh, do you think that the Rays are vulnerable? They lost again last night. Obviously, Toronto didn't make up any ground. But all of a sudden, it's like they, they've gone into this swoon, and it doesn't feel like the division is over yet. Yeah, the division is not over. And, but I think the, the Rays are going to pull out of this and play better. Hmm. They're not going to play like they did that first month and a half because that was historically good. If I were a Blue Jay fan, I would be worried just as much, if not more, about the Orioles, who've gone from a very talented team to a very good team in the last few months. So I see the Blue Jays making the playoffs, being a wild-card team, but, you know, five and a half out behind two teams that are just as good, if not better, than they are. I think you have to look at it like, yeah, the Jays are going to make the playoffs, but is is that enough? Because you're right, the window is getting 
close a little bit more each year. I thought they would be ahead of where they are right now. I keep waiting for them to get really hot. I think they will, but, you know, those two teams in front of them are not going to go away no matter how poorly the Rays have played. Yeah, this this is what I kind of wanted to have a chat with you about today, which is the aggression level for all of these teams heading into the deadline and, and who has what pressures on them. Because the Rays, historically not a huge spending team, a very smart, calculated team. But I would still have to think that given their win, like their caliber of team, that they would at least have some consideration of adding things at the deadline. The Orioles, um, they're the big question mark for me because a year ago we thought, wow, what a story. And then they end up actually selling pieces. Do you think they're at a point where they just let this thing ride, see where it takes them? Or could you see them actually being aggressive and making like a real significant move? You know, even for one of those guys you mentioned, Stroman Giolito, like a, a real front end starting pitcher. Yeah, I think the Rays are in a different position than they've been in recent years. And Eric Neander, he was t- saying the other day that look, it's not good enough for us to just be win a hundred games or win the division or be this team that overachieves. We have to win the World Series one of these years because their window is closing because it's always closing with the Rays. So I think they're going to be aggressive. I think they're going to go do something at the deadline because of the pitching injuries that they've suffered this year and that really great, that offense that was so great for two months hasn't been nearly as good. They're either going to go get a bat or a frontline pitcher, or both, because they have resources in the minor leagues to trade, and they can't say, hey, we're small market, you know, we can't go out and spend. I think they have to go out and get somebody now if they're going to not only get to the playoffs, win the division, but actually do something in October. Yeah, see, this is what scares me a little bit if you're a Jays fan, is you've got to be looking around you and saying, You've got the Yankees and the Red Sox in the rear view, and those two teams are historically pretty aggressive, and you've got these other two teams. So, yeah, like getting the Orioles, again, they remain the wild card to me. Do you think that they actually push chips in the middle and try and acquire someone this year? I do. Uh. I think the Orioles and the Rays are in a similar situation. Expectations are exceptionally high right now in Baltimore, and you can't bring up all these young kids give them a chance to make the playoffs and not support them Hmm. with a veteran player for the stretch run. Remember, last year they sold off at the stretch run, and they didn't move the greatest players, but Trey Mancini was an important guy on that team, and they traded him, and I don't see them doing the same thing. I see them doing the opposite this year because, again, like the Rays, they are loaded with young players, that they could deal. Young players who are major league players who just don't have a spot anymore. So I would be really surprised if the Orioles weren't aggressive at the trade deadline. I think they have to be. Yeah, they're, they're only a game back now of the race. Like, it, it would just be shocking to me if they just stood pat and decided, you know what, and, you know, we're not even going to try to use any of the assets that we acquired at last year's deadline. To, to go out and add something to our team. And so, again, you've got the two teams at the top that feel like they're going to be a little bit more desperate, plus have far more assets than Toronto has. The, the, the most curious team to me now, though, is what do the Yankees do? Because they're an old team, and 
yeah, like, you know, lots being made of they would still be first if they were in the American League Central, but whatever. You don't you don't ever get to play that card. Blue Jays fans know that all too well. How how do you see the upcoming couple weeks for a Yankees team that's in a free fall, two of their last eight, an older team, how do they approach this deadline? Well, I think they have to be ultra-aggressive also because I think at this moment I look at them and I say at this moment they're not going to make the playoffs because their offense just isn't isn't a good offensive club until Aaron Judge comes back and we're not sure – when that's going to happen. And when you're the Yankees and you started last year the way that you did and you make the playoffs every year and you haven't been to the World Series since 2009, those fans there are fed up with this team. And I think the Yankees have to be ultra-aggressive to change the look of that team in order not just to make the playoffs, which is in question now, but to do something in October also. So, again, I think you have hit it on the head. All of these teams surrounding the Blue Jays need to do something and something dramatic to affect not just the playoff race, but how things go in October. Do you think, though, that there is a scenario for the Yankees where they don't get aggressive? Like, Because, again, 2-8 and eight in their last 10 – if they keep falling down the standings and that gap, like that swell continues to grow, do you see a scenario where they go, you know what, we're, we're actually going to become sellers here. We, we just know that this is not our year. We can't push chips in and be, you know, four games, three games back of a wild card spot. Yeah, it, it's almost impossible for the Yankees to, to not go for it when the expectations are that high and they are the Yankees and they have all that money to deal with. I I think they will be ultra-hesitant to trade their best young kids in the system, but they're going to have to do that because you look at their major league roster right now, I just don't see too many trade chips there. Let's say they wanted to trade Glaber Torres and then move Peraza to second, so you got Peraza and Volpe long-term in the middle infield. I don't know what you're going to get for the major league ready players on their roster. And that's why they might end up saying we're not going for it at the deadline because we can improve our team by trading the players we have on the major league roster. So they are in a very difficult position right now. And if I were a Yankee fan, I would not be encouraged at the moment. Yeah, I just I don't know how they can make the case, especially given the the stuff surrounding Judge, where they can be aggressive again, especially adding more age or more uncertainty to what they have, and in terms of being able to be flexible during the off season. So weirdly, like out of all of this over the last week out of the All Star break, uh, to me it was like, oh crap! Now you're probably going to have a Rays team that's a bit more desperate because they're sliding and they want to maintain at the top, an Orioles team that's been scorching hot and now is saying to their front office, you have to do something. Like, you have to, have to, have to add something. And then a Red Sox team that got hot too, where their market is not going to be pleased if they don't do anything at all. And, and yeah, you've got this Blue Jays team that could probably add in a variety of different ways. But right now, it feels like, surprisingly, given where they've been at, almost ironically, given where they've been at over the last couple of years, they could really use a right-handed bat someone that could platoon with Brandon Belt as a DH and I wonder if there there is a name or two heading into this deadline that fits that description for you that could really help the Toronto Blue Jays 
Well, that's part of the problem is there are so few teams out there that are going to be sellers without a doubt because so many other teams are in it. So C.J. Crone, for instance, for the Rockies Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams that need a middle-of-the-order hitter. Um, I mean, the Yankees need one. The Cardinals need one. So many teams need another hitter for their lineup, just like the Blue Jays do. And that's going to up the ante for someone like C.J. Crone, who can help, but he's not worth your your two best kids in the farm system. But that's what the Rockies are going to want since they're not in this thing. Oakland really doesn't have anybody. The Nationals don't really have anybody that's going to really make a difference. That's part of the problem is there's so many so many buyers and so few sellers that have something really good to offer. Man, it, it is actually going to, I think, it, it's going to go one of two ways. Either we're going to end up having an extremely fascinating deadline where we see, uh, wow, what a seller's market. Or we end up with something where it's very, very unsexy. And, yeah, people here are wondering, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Wait, which, which day was the deadline? Couldn't have been yesterday. Uh, Tim Kirkton, again, excellent uh, winner of the 22, uh, 2022 Baseball Writers Association of America Career Excellence Award, uh, writer and analyst for ESPN. Thanks so much for making time for us today, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Uh, there he goes, Tim Kirkton. Okay, so this, this is exactly why I wanted to do this segment with him is so yesterday's Manoa start. You can't be reactionary in baseball, right? You're supposed to go, Hey, it's a big sample sport, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the big sample with Manoa is it's bad. The small sample is actually the, the Detroit outing. You have a pitcher who has just really not looked good. And yet it feels like you have to roll the dice because the price is on the pitchers that we're talking about here is going to be astronomical. You can't, if you're the Blue Jays, there's just, uh, how do you justify trading a Relvis Martinez or Ricky Tiedemann, two guys that just could be integral for what you need moving forward, to add a rental starting arm that in a couple weeks might not look better than three of your starters? Like Kevin Gossman still has to slot in number one. You're hoping Barrios maintains who he is. Yep. And then if you have one bullet that hits in Ryu, Kikuchi, Manoa, Bassett, like, are you really that convinced that those starters that we're talking about here are going to change your prospects that much? I, like, I don't. I feel like you do have to kind of risk it. But still, all of a sudden, you risk it on these guys and they don't pan out for you. And you're only a... What, what are they up right now on the Red Sox? Is it two games? Because Red Sox lost to Oakland. The Red Sox right killed now. in gambling. They are two and a half games up yeah. in, in the wildcard race. And Red Sox are hot. Mm-hmm. Going to, again, add. The Jays playing for the division does feel like a bit of a pipe dream, just given that there's the two teams that are ahead of them and the two teams that are going to add. And, man, the Jays have, I want to say, 20 games left against American League opponents, or sorry, against American League East opponents. They've played 27 so far. Anyway, they, they have a bunch of games left against... They have 25 games left. 25 games. They're 7-20 and 20 against teams in the American League East. So that's the thing. You've got this gamble that you have to make. It doesn't make any sense for you to go out and trade for someone significant. You can go back and get a depth starter at the right price, whatever. But again, insurance, sure, fine. But to go out and get a top-end starter doesn't seem like you can do that. You have to gamble... 
but that gamble straight up might cost you the playoffs. Like you're seven and 20 against these teams. and You got 25 games. It's not good math for being up only two games on the Red Sox. And he, mm-hmm. like you said, even the right-handed bat stuff, even trying to improve the offense or the bullpen, it just, a lot of it's st- still feeling more and more internal, which is a little spooky with this team, man. It just, it, it, it's, they need one of Manoa or Ryu to work out is what I'm saying. Like they need one of these guys to, you don't even have to be a stud. Just be good. Just be solid. Just give them something. Yeah. Anyway, quickly before we go into the podcast portion, maybe I'll talk about this a little bit more in the podcast only portion. So Ilya Samsonov, uh, according to Elliot Friedman, uh, arbitration filings, Ilya Samsonov has filed for, oh, I just refreshed and now I lost it. I think it was 4.5, 4.9, and the Leafs have put in 2.4. Pretty sizable gap, but that's pretty much in line with what we just talked about with Kipper, right? He's like, it's going to be a short-term deal in the threes. Mm-hmm. And that's how this thing's going to go. I'm, I'm not overly concerned about this until someone tells me that I need to be concerned about it. It felt like this is the way that it was going to go from the beginning. Each side's going to fight for a couple hundred grand on this because it means a lot to both. Anyways, we'll do a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do more in the podcast-only section. So subscribe, review, do all those things, and we'll catch you over there. All right, Elias Samsonov, you got till Friday. No, <laughs> that's when that's when they'll have the arbitration hearing. It's Friday, so they've got some time to figure this thing out. And by the way, the number that Samsonov asked for four point nine. Mm-hmm. If the arbitrator, arbiter, arbiter, yeah? arbiter, arbiter, gives him over that, I think it's four or five number. The Leafs are allowed to walk away. Completely unscathed. Which could you imagine that? They're like, no, we're going with Matt Murray and Joe Wall. How does that make you feel? <laughs> not great. Yeah, it imagine. just it, it man, it It is really annoying looking at some of this stuff and just how much Dubas defending went on and how horrific a situation he did put the Leafs in in so many different regards. Mm-hmm. All for one playoff series win. And he still has like the hardcore. I don't, I don't even want to go into this because it just sounds like sour grapes, but it's hilarious right. where it's like they're dealing with this Nylander contract. They're, they're dealing with the Matthews extension. They didn't get the term on that. They're going to have this coming up. They got Matt Murray on their books. They're going to have to give an asset up for. They've got no one under contract for a significant amount of time. They got one good young player in Matthew Nyes. That's going to fill out the roster and shut up about Nick Robertson. I need everybody to shut up about Nick Robertson. If it happens, sick. Awesome. Rooting for the kid. Hard worker. Great guy. Rooting for him 100%. But he got all the hype last year, and I drove the hype bus. I was like, how are you going to have him not start the year over Malgin? Blah, blah. By the way, that's another guy. Malgin back in Zurich or whatever. Dennis Malgin. Yeah. Dubas' baby. (laughs) I love little baby Malgin. Back to Europe with you, Dennis. <laughs> Just yuck. Like, well, especially with that Nylander, too, situation. They, the number they arrived at was the number they had previously talked about in November, right? It was like, why do we hold out so for annoying. half the season? It's just like, but this there's is, a lot of things under the Dubis era where it's like, he got a really huge free pass from a lot of people on the internet that don't give other people free passes. It's just, yeah, the internet. Here's a... Uh, Oh, he's young? Really? Oh, okay. But I bought the Dubas hype, too. No, though. I did, too. I and was full and all over Mark Hunter, hated Mark Hunter, hate Lou Lamorello, bring Dubas, he's yeah. going to go to Colorado, stop it, you know? I, yeah. Absolutely. I, I will say this, too, and this is the... 
I, I, I've said this a million times. I think Dubas got much better as a general manager, but he learned on the job. And that was just not what the Leafs needed at that point in time. And now I do think, I genuinely believe he is one of the better general managers in the NHL. That's like, the ironic part, right? I know. I do. But man, he sucked at the beginning and he did some crap moves. And he's left this team in a really, really tough spot. And people go, oh, is it that tough of a spot when you say there's this good of a team? It's like, yeah, man, he was handed Matthews, Marner, and Nylander on their rookie deals. <laughs> like, find me somebody who could have done worse. How could you have done worse in the playoffs over this course you of time? Couldn't. No, I know. It's impossible. <laughs> Aside from getting swept every People year. are like, the regular season numbers this franchise has put up. It's like, yeah, that was good at the beginning. Yeah. That was good then. Not so much now. Anyway, uh, let's see if let's just see if all the Dubasites are playing the same thing with the regular season numbers mm. with Trey Living as they did with Dubas. Let's see if they bomb out in the playoffs again. Anyway, uh, what else? What else? What else? Do you have uh, just before we go? Do you have a number you want to see Samsonov off at uh, between yeah. those two? I want to see Samsonov for more than one year. Yeah. Do you want you want term? Eh? Okay. Not crazy. It's a no, goalie. Two to three. Two to three. I know. Yeah, but if he's a two year mm-hmm. contract at three and a half, I'm not going to cry. What I would love to see is like, yeah, two, three-year deal at 3.2 or something 3. like 3, that. 3.3, baby. That's exactly yeah, what I was like thinking. 3. But that's, 2, not, yeah. that's not happening. Well, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I have, no, I have no idea about this one. <laughs> I haven't really fished this out. This has been so low down the pecking order. I've never once texted an insider <laughs> or someone that I know to ask about the Samsonov numbers or how he's feeling. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what that, that group that story looks like or who is getting. buried. Yeah, because who cares? buried. No. He'll be back and they'll figure out a reasonable number. Mm-hmm. And then it's just it, like the point, the reason why there's a couple of reasons why I did Leafs today. Cause I know people are like, yeah, media, you create all the narratives and you can't just leave. It's the summertime. Why are you talking about the Leafs? Because one, I'm going to be gone for a week and a bit. Seven shows. I'm going to be off for eight. starting on Friday. Yeah, eight. No, seven. Oh, eight. you're back on the Tuesday. Hand up my bad. Sorry. I like how Austin, that's, that's the ultimate Austin stat is he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, no, man, I, I know your schedule. Oh, he's man. trying to tell you what yeah. you're, what an Austin stat. This doesn't help the Anyways, no, he did the same thing to me too. No, I know. It's just, he said like, I was going to be back a day and then, later. And then he gets mad at us when we say we don't like or trust your numbers. It's that. <laughs> psycho. I wouldn't say mad. I'd say like offended. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> even that. Like that's uh, why he's to, to to fight and parse over that. Anyways, anyways, to get back on track, right. I wanted to check in on Leafs here, but it's just a reminder of the, they're always. I'm always thinking about Leafs. Like I do Leafs talk, and this is like our audience as well. So I don't think too many people are upset about it. I just mean mm-hmm. people do have this undercurrent feeling here. It's just part of our sensitivity is that media members are trying to kick up dirt all the time, and that it's like why can't you just let sleeping dogs lie, kind of thing, right? Why do you have to show up on July nineteenth? And kick mm-hmm. sand in Nylander's face when he's just trying to enjoy the beautiful nights of Sweden, <laughs> which is Stockholm. where he is, right? I don't know if he's in Stockholm. It's, it's true, though. Like, when Stefan Diggs causes problems that no one covers it for the Bills, right? Like, no, it's mm, the course, team. Yeah, you yeah. have to cover it. Like, no, but nothing nothing has really changed today. I just mean, getting out of this right now, because the thing I keep thinking about is how much work still needs to be done. And now exactly. all of a sudden we're in at the end of July. Like, July is over, and they don't have their goaltender under contract. They still need to move Matt Murray. They have they're, no extensions with the stars. They're, they're, they've got no contracts done, and they mm-hmm. have a blue line that really doesn't feel like the blue line they're going to enter the regular season with. And Kipper's right that they can enter with it, and it's good enough. But that that's what I'm saying. Do you really want to try to go through a regular season where Mark Giordano is your 6D, 
mm-hmm. where Timothy Lilligren needs to take a like big step forward. Might be worth it to let Lilligren play down and see what he is. Where you might have TJ Brody age in front of the NHL's eyes, but you're yeah. also going to be asking him to play heavy minutes, right? Yeah, you're Brody's in a situ- 33 now. Yeah, man. Welcome. Yeah, kind of snuck up. Yep. It just, there's a lot, man. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's before you even say stuff like, hey, who is the fourth center on this team? Like, are we sure? Yeah, anyway, it just, there, there's some stuff to figure out here, man. Then there's quite a bit of work to be done. And uh, my question is, what I was trying to suss out with Kipper, I actually didn't really get an answer on today. It was like, when does the work start to get done again? When do we get back to the table so that some of this stuff goes forward? <laughs> when will that happen? What's the uh, what's the weather like in Muskoka this weekend? Probably uh, nice. Ah, uh, then uh, nah, no business this weekend. Uh, we need a Probably rainy weekend nice. in Muskoka, JD. Oh. We'll get some contracts hammered out. Anyways. <laughs> All right. What did we miss? Austin and I were throwing this around before the show. Netflix is back. Untold Volume 3. There's going to be mm. a, it's a four-part series. They're going to have an episode on Johnny Menzel, mm. Jake Paul, uh, steroid epidemic in sports and the mm. Urban Meyer led Florida Gators. Which one are you most excited for? If any. Austin was saying Florida or Johnny Menzel. Which one? No, how can it? Florida Swamp Florida. Kings. Yeah. I mean, they, got uh, Meyer. they got Tim Tebow. Like, oh, man. yeah. Like, said that you got for sure like, the Urban Meyer led Gators. Yeah. Like, I just don't see what the because here's the thing all those other things have been covered to death from our standpoint. Like, Right. I feel like the Urban Meyer-led Florida Gators, there's probably a lot there that people outside of Florida that aren't hardcore Gators fans don't know. Or like hardcore college football fans. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to learn about Johnny Manziel that's going to make me feel differently about Johnny Manziel. Like, what is what is True. untold about Johnny Manziel? I love these untold series, by the way, though. Yeah. So here's what I will say. I'm kind of like lukewarm on these topics. Mm-hmm. They seem sexier. We're like, Jake Paul. I'm like, I don't care. Why do I, I, I don't get the Jake Paul one. Well, here's my, here's my, name, pro- here's my problem with the Jake Paul thing out of the gate is he's going to position himself still as a guy who's like the champion of fighter pay and all this different crap when it's like, that's what no, he was doing man, he's just, yeah, exactly. And geez, come like, it's on, better to be Buddy, the villain you, you lost to no, Donnie Fury. No, no, it's no, over. It's I'm just, sorry. No, but it's not even, it's not even that. It's like, that's what it, it, what he's accomplished. He's been, has been really solid for him where he has made himself someone who could actually even stand in a ring with Fury mm-hmm. and where he could beat MMA fighters at boxing. Like you think uh, all three of us could try to box, uh, a couple of these guys, at the same time, we'd get our asses kicked yeah. badly. My head would be... Yes. So he has become a good boxer. He was never going to be a pro or one of the best. That was always a, you know, uh, a fool's game to yeah. think that that was going to be anything other than that. Mm-hmm. But I just mean, even the fighter champion or the fighter pay stuff is like, no, he just knows how to create waves and that is through controversy and that's through clashing with Dana White and Dana White doesn't mind that smoke either because it's good for his brand and business to be fighting with Jake Paul as well because most people view him as like an amateur or as an unprofessional yeah. or a, a kid you know mm-hmm. and they get to stand on being the organization they get to fight about fighter pay blah 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 blah, blah. like yeah. it, it's just a cycle that wins for both sides mm-hmm. and as much as we get pissed off about UFC fighter pay we've been pissed off about this for a long ass time and guess what's happened Nothing, <laughs> nothing. nothing. All of us crybabies in the media. Boo hoo! Fighters deserve more money. It's criminal. It's this. It's that. Mm-hmm. Did you know Francis and Ghana only got this? He's like, yeah. Hasn't changed anything. <laughs> UFC still walked away from Francis. Like, we yeah. lost how many years of John Jones's prime? I'm just yeah. saying that ain't nothing moving with the UFC. 
Yeah, we can no. have all the podcasts we want. <laughs> Don't matter. We ain't changing. So anything. the Jake Paul untold to me is the lowest because it's like. God, I don't want to swear, but that was, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, who gives it? Yeah. You know, who, yeah. who really wants to see Jake Paul talk about himself and how I've... great he is for an untold series. Unless this untold series was like exposing some of the cracks around him, then shut up. Yeah. And same thing with Johnny Menzel. Like, what do I need to, oh, remember when he went to the club with Drake? Like, who cares? Remember when he partied yeah. a lot? More so yeah. for those, uh, those Texas A&M highlights. Those will be sick but to that... watch. Is this... <laughs> Yeah, I guess. It's not a good reason. It's not a good reason. I guess. The Florida Gators one is the one that I'm most excited Steroids for. Steroids in sure. sports, again, it, it's like, what do we not know at this point? Yeah. I will say that that one could at least be more interesting because maybe they do have an expose on some new steroid stuff that people use. But mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you something. This then this is just me. This is just my opinion. It's nobody else's. I'm not trying to slander anybody. I think that far more athletes are using steroids right now or some form of doping than we ever really talk about. I think it's like a little quiet thing where we go, all right, like Tiger Woods shows back up in PGA in his fifties. And we're like, yeah, he won the masters after how many injuries? Oh, and after what type of car accident? Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, do you, you think Barry Bonds should be in the hall of fame? Car? I don't think I've ever. Yeah, got... of course. But yeah, who cares? Okay, That's cool. such a tired ass topic. I don't care about that. Well, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> Um, I just, I it's like save that. Actually, we are in the time where that's an appropriate well, no, question. I just never heard your opinion on it. No, so I just mean like we're, this is now the dead of summer where there's nothing going on. This is the peak. Should Barry Bonds be like radio guy? Should Barry Bonds be in the hall of fame? It's so close. He well, cheated. He cheated. He? Mad Dog Russo comes out. He cheated the game. He cheated uh, his peers. Pete Rose isn't in. Pete Rose isn't yeah. in. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I think Barry Bonds should be in the hall of fame. No, no, I do. I do too. I I don't know why we get so sanctimonious with some of this stuff. Like, dude, there's murderers in the baseball hall of fame. You know, like there's don't Google search Ty Cobb. There's like, there's 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 <laughs> horrible people, Austin. like really uh, bad people. I'll never forget who was it. I think it was Darren Sharper. Oh yeah, Darren Sharper's got really bad stuff, yeah, man. But I remember there was one pro football writer, I think when the Darren Sharper stuff started coming out that went, I'm not here to judge him as a man. I'm here to judge him as a football player. Yeah. And he took a lot of heat. I don't want to say who I think it is. Cause I don't want to get it wrong, but I think I know who it was that said it. Mm. And Darren Sharper, hot as his safety, safety in the, the league. league. He, when he started <laughs> doing really bad guy stuff, there was still a conversation of like, will he make the hall of fame someday? He was pretty good on the saints. Yeah, I bet you he was. No, he's gone. You <laughs> no, can't talk no, about Darren Sharp. Yeah, that's not anyway. funny either. Bad, <laughs> anyway, bad anyway. person. Anyway, my point here simply is I can't believe that. Like, I, I get it. It's, it's different because, you know, it gives you a competitive advantage. And some guys, I do believe that there would be some guys that would be Hall of Famers that, or some guys that would make the Hall of Fame who wouldn't have been without steroids, blah, 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 blah. But with Barry Bonds, like, the numbers are too. It's just he's at the top, man. Mm-hmm. How do you have a baseball Hall of Fame without the guy who's the home run king? It's kind of stupid. So and anyway. even, like, his Pittsburgh numbers were incredible. Yeah, like, yeah, people just look know. at the San Francisco stuff. Yeah, but I don't know when he This just... Florida team, Cam Newton, Percy yeah. Harvin, Joe Hayden, uh, Brandon Spikes, obviously Anthony Hernandez, yeah. Tim Tebow. This is going to be electric. Call him Anthony Hernandez? Anthony Hernandez? I, I did. Hernandez. I got yeah. too quick there. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> what do we say? Just on a roll. We meant Aaron Hernandez. What obviously. do we say to Maggie? Slow down. Shut up. Slow down. Shut up. Slow down. Uh... Yeah, all right. I, like again, I'm gonna watch all these. Yeah, I'll probably passing. I watch the Jake Paul one, mm-hmm. steroids one. I'm gonna be kind of interested in, but I have a feeling like 
Uh, based on their work, it could be good. But yeah, mm-hmm. the Urban Meyer one is number one. Anyways, what's next? Well, we can stick with football. Uh, Najee Harris yeah. and Derrick Henry were uh, on yeah. Twitter last night. They were responding to some tweets about the recent running back situation. We know Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs not getting long-term deals. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they're mad. Najee Harris was like, I agree with my running back brothers around the NFL. History will show that you need running backs to win. We set the tone every game and run through walls. This notion that we deserve less is a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Henry is also mad about it said at this point just take the running back position out of the game the ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give all to an organization seems like it don't even matter I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve so are you on the team like the front office side of this where signing a running back to a long-term deal could be risky or do you think that because they have shorter primes you want to give them as much money as they can because they could be out of the league earlier boys it is what it is the market has determined it and okay mm-hmm. Do I feel for these guys? 100%. Yeah. Like, they're running backs. Yeah. We've overdone it at this point with the car crash thing. But, yeah. man, I'll, I'll never forget watching footage of Jerome Bettis after, I think, the playoff game against the Colts where they won. AC Championship 2004. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's walking in the tunnel, and he can just, like, barely move. Yeah. And, like, the things that these guys put their bodies through, it's extreme. And the amount of work that goes into it. And, two is, like, man, there's... What's more entertaining than an awesome running back? Because I'll tell you right now that I've had, you know, a Super Bowl winning team that I've rooted for. Mm-hmm. There was nothing I've enjoyed more in football than watching Marshawn Lynch run. Cam Chancellor hits number two, having a safety, a hard hitting safety who just lights boys up mm-hmm. in the middle <laughs> of the field and who can truck a running back yeah. like the Cam Chancellor hit on Vernon Davis. Whew. Oof. Like that, that feels good. A guy who just sticks it, sticks the hits. As much as hard hitting player. Marshawn Lynch is running against the Saints, too. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, Watching Marshawn Lynch play, and also him personality wise, did play a big part into it. But having that running back where you just have the confidence of just he's going to run over somebody or he's going to juke someone, like, Mm. like Falcons right now. How many teams, how many fan bases right now have something more exciting than B. John Robinson's potential? Not a lot. Yeah. That list like, is very short. It's it's but guess what it is? It's rushing quarterbacks normally. Like it's yeah. like it's like if you have a quarterback who can run and throw or who's like mm-hmm. awesome or a big time clutch QB, that is obviously the best. But yeah. man, running back is right there. Like having a fun running back is the best. Yeah. And if you're Derrick Henry, right, and you're Saquon Barkley, and you're just these like stud players who have done it at mm-hmm. high level college, coming in the NFL, help carry their team. You think that the like man, all this stuff was made about Daniel Jones this year. Like Saquon stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. They were good because of Saquon. Yes. Saquads. Those quads. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, Saquads. Daniel Jones took a step and the coach step, but it's like, man, he sees Daniel Jones, who he knows is not as good of a football player as him, get paid out the ass. Yes. And he can't get a two-year deal. And he's even been saying it. Saquon's like, I just want something that's fair for a couple of yeah. years. And even then they're trying to squeeze running backs. So is it villainous what these teams are doing? 100%. Is it seem awful that... We're seeing awesome running backs only get, you know, $10, $12 million a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still is $10, $12 million a year. Everybody's yeah, always like, you know, is, there's worse ways to make a living and it's still $10, $12 million a year. Should they be making more in terms of like their actual value per what they offer like that pound day to your value. team? Yes. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem, fellas. <laughs> the deals that you get don't often live up to the expectation. We just saw this with Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. He got passed by Pollard. 
Yes. And now Pollard wants to be new Zeke. Mm-hmm. And then, man, what? They're going to draft the guy who's going to be a stud and who's going to be fresh legs and younger than you. And the shelf life of running backs, like, we've just learned it. We always knew. Yes. Like, we've known since the mid-early aughts, right? Like, 2003, 4, 5 range. When they gave Larry that, Johnson 400 carries. But it's just like, yeah, that these guys, unfortunately, when they hit 30 years old, even LT slows down. Mm-hmm. The freak was AP. AP was the one where it was like, man, I'm, I just, I'm breaking the mold. I'm just 36 years old, still running. (laughs) Big (laughs) mark against the saints that he could, that they couldn't make it work with him. You know, kind of Sean Payne's. I know it's a piece of work. I know. (laughs) Just like shout out Denver. (laughs) Anyway, my point here is, do you want your team to pay a running back big money? No. So it's like the fans are going to be crushed. Even if their favorite running back gets a huge big term money contract. Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to be upset. You're going to go, what the hell are we doing? It's like, it's kind of one of the dumbest things you can do. Yeah. It's like baseball. Same thing with these sluggers, right? Remember when everybody wanted to pay Jose Bautista and they were like, give Bautista all the money. I love making fun of Arden for this because (laughs) Arden famously was at a pitch talks and got all hyped up. Mm -hmm. He's like, give him a blank check or something like that. The crowd crowd was like, yeah, he played to the populace. He couldn't do it because he's an older slugger. Same thing. Baseball players, they get old pretty quick. Look yep. at Josh Donaldson right now. He's doing all these bat flips of non-home runs. Have you seen that compilation? Oh, it's that really was good. tough. That was <laughs> yeah. tough for a boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird about Donaldson? I'm going to do this someday. I don't want to do it right now because I've been kind of saving this one in the chamber. But mm-hmm. it's like, why doesn't Toronto love Josh Donaldson more? What? Why is there not that like true kinship? Anyway, don't answer. I just It's a podcast topic for later. Mm, I think okay. I might do it with Ennis. Um, okay. Would you anyway. rather pay a closer or a running back if you had in team building here? Cause I think oh, it's kind of the question. same thing. Yeah. It's a relief pitcher and running back. Similar thing. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and, and the variance from year to year with these guys too, is the problem. Again, it guys depends. get hurt, man. Yeah, all the it time. It's a physical game. If you told me like your 25 year old running back, you're going to give a four year contract to, and he's Marshawn Lynch or he's one of the top tier guys. I'd rather have that mm. like an identity player. But even you look at, it, it's like Joe Mixon lost a step last year. How, how old is Joe Mixon? Uh, Joe Mixon, he's got to be 26. He's not that old. Uh, he, yeah, he's 26. It's, 26. There, it's his usage went down, too, in his no. defense, but... He lost a step last year, and he had to just renegotiate his deal. Mm-hmm. He got 5.5, I think. Yeah, he went down, yep. He went down to 5.5, and it's because he took a almost half his contract haircut to stay mm-hmm. with the Bengals because the market was going to pay him reports of 3 to 4. 3 to 4. And even even... Even Kareem Hunt can't get a job. Like it's no. it's crazy right now. Uh, no, it's tough. Elliot might go back to the Cowboys for a minimum contract, dude. That's as it. someone whose team paid Derrick Henry. Uh, you're totally, you're totally. It's awesome. It's the best. Yeah. But there is such a ceiling a to winning to that. You can't, you can't what? win if your best player is a running back. I truly do believe that. And in today's NFL, it's it's hard. I mean, Seattle won a super. I watched my team win a Super Bowl with the best player on the are offense you, being a running back. Are you talking about like? Like right now I, I in 2023. About. Yeah, right now in 2023. I mean, I, I would say the, the Niners were like the, the number one contender in CMC the NFC this year. They had CMC. The the year. They went out and got it. I think that's a crap take. That's not a. That's not correct. Uh, you have to have a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. That's the most important thing. But no, nah, man, you got to have a good running game. And if your best player on offense, like you can still win with an identity player running back. Like that's yeah. th- that's just that's just the way it is. Um, that's like, what do I think the biggest problem is with the bills right now that they keep ignoring the running game and that they don't have yeah, a stud back that, there. Yeah. They're just making Josh Allen. Yeah, just run like, into and the he does of the 80% of the plays. Every other play. Like, yeah. If you're going to ask me what my preference is, who's your identity player? Is it the running back or the quarterback? I'm like, Oh, it's the quarterback. Duh. Like, <laughs> of, of course it's not close, but I still think that you can win with an identity running back player. And man, even with your Titans, 
Like, they they had some moments, man. Like, they felt like a gutsy, tough out for a couple. Again, watching that quarterback series of mm-hmm. Rabel coach up that team. And th- the problem is when they start to age even just a little bit. But it's like, Derrick Henry, man, when it would start getting later in the game and you could still funnel the ball to that guy and he's just hitting guys in the mouth and hitting, like, I, oh God, I loved watching Derrick Henry. What year was it? Was it 2000, what, 2000, 2020? What, what year was it? Or was it 2020? Uh, yeah. And the Ravens? Yeah. It's just like anyway, 2020 was I, the I 2000 yards. I always, yeah, that's it. Right. The 2000 yard season. Yeah. The 2000 yard season. God, man, such a stud. You're right. You can't have a team that's just a running back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you got to have both. But I still think you can have one where it's like your identity player is the, the back. Face of the team. And, Starting and running back for the last five Super Bowl winners were Leonard Fournette, Damian yeah. Williams, Sonny Michelle, Garrett Blunt twice, and CJ Anderson. Yeah. So I, I just don't think it's an important position anymore if you have to win. Like, yeah, it was awesome what the what the 49ers did with CMC, and they were way better with CMC, uh, absolutely, Anderson. right? But it didn't. it didn't change the game and the difference would be like the Eagles the Eagles run the ball at it, such a high rate they're very effective but when they went down against the Chiefs they, they it's hard then to come back it's hard oh, then, then for that quick they, strike offense and they also let their running back walk mm-hmm. and they let their running back well they do have a plethora the Eagles are uh, the Eagles yeah are they do but even but even still like they let their guy walk they decided like this is this is what we're gonna do um I don't think that those running backs, though, that can't be right. Bucks, Leonard Fournette. Uh-huh. Yeah. 2019 Chiefs, Damian Williams. 2018 Patriots. No, but da- Damian Williams was starting for the Chiefs in that Super Bowl? Yeah, playoff Dame, remember? Yeah. yeah. He, no, he Joe played Bucks really well. like playoff Dame? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2018 Sonny Michelle Patriots. 2017 Eagles, LeGarrette Blunt. 2016 Patriots, LeGarrette Blunt. 2015 Broncos, CJ Anderson. Man. Wow. I just don't see it anymore. I don't. I don't think it's a it's a marquee position that you need a, a stud at to win a Super Bowl. I, I do think that there's a. I think that you are now in a spot where it was like the mid range too, where you yeah, can still have yeah. like like teams that are going to try to exploit the inefficiencies of the market and of getting players. I don't think the issue so much Austin is like what you're saying is like it's not a marquee position or you don't need it. I think it's just like you need a couple of different guys in depth because as you see with this stuff, like a lot of those teams are dealing with guys that didn't start the year running back as they're running back. So they need the committee. You need the depth. You need guys who can do different things, but it's also, it's just like, there's so many good backs. No, that's so well said. It's, it's, it's like, it's just, there's so many good players, a multitude of people now, man, like even look at Atlanta when they drafted Bijan. The argument is not Bijan's the special player who can't wait to watch Bijan. It's that they go, man, where'd they get Algier from? Like, what was what round pick was? I think Al- it was a fourth round pick at a TCU last year. Tyler Algier. You think he was a fourth round pick? Uh, Algier. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Whatever. This is Jobo's job. He's supposed to be faster. He just tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. There we go. Finally. TCU. No BYU. Yeah. Hundred and fifty first overall. And. Where do they get, like, think about Quarter Patterson, too, where they just all of a sudden he turned out to be a beast on that team after being a career-long kick returner, a guy that every team tried to try out at running back, including the Patriots, and never really kind of worked out, never clicked, and all of a sudden it just did. So it's like the team that drafted the stud running back already had two guys that were really good. Mm -hmm. And I think they had one other guy, too, who was passable on the Falcons. Like, I think that they had one other guy that was, like, not horrific, 
was not horrifically bad. It's like there's just so many good players at the position. If this was the way for quarterbacks, right, as good as quarterbacks are, if there were a million good quarterbacks, why would you give quarterbacks these contracts, right? Mm -hmm. No, there's so few that you have to give Daniel Jones that money because you're like, damn, what else are we going to do? What are we going to do if we don't pay this guy? Like, yeah. It's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, buddy. How do these guys keep getting jobs? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like, look at the money Geno Smith just got. It was one year with the Seahawks. They were yeah. like, "Nope, we got to do this. We got to re up. Yeah. We got to re up with Geno. We got to pay him." Anyway, just like your team can find a million good running backs. Like, I've seen this year over year over year, and I can tell you because I was a Seahawks fan that watched them draft Rashad Penny and. You know, like they, they draft Rashad Penny and he's the first round pick. He does nothing. And then they get Chris Carson, I think in the yeah, seventh Chris round Carson, that was the other guy. and Chris Carson's just a hammer who was sick for a couple seasons before. Again, his mm-hmm. career ended with injuries and these guys get injured. They get hurt. It's just, it's too volatile. So yeah, I feel for the players. Anyways, long ass winded way to say, I feel for these guys. I understand how frustrating it must be again, given like their import to the team and the offense and like how much they put their bodies through and how competitive the position is. Mm-hmm. And like, the steep decline that has happened with these running backs in terms of pay just year over year over year, where they keep getting pinched more and more and more as money goes up everywhere else, average contract for everybody else going up, not for you, but it's just like, there's too many good players, man. And your shelf life's too short. Fans don't want to pay you. Ownership doesn't want to pay you. This is just, this is the reality we're living in now. And I'm sorry, but you have to take the 10 to $12 million at the best as the best guys. What is B what is, by the way, you said Bijan's the number one highest paid guy. What, what is, what does he make? Uh, he's making around 14 million. Cause that's what his draft. Yeah, spot was I was going to say, overall. cause the best guys now make 10 to 12. Yeah. But CMC is going to sign his extension and he's going to go ahead of that. When, uh, yeah. whenever that gets officially finalized, but even still, I love CMC. It's like, okay. Think about the last couple of guys who were the top tier fantasy running back dudes, right? Mm-hmm. It's like CMC, Dalvin cook, Dalvin cook. And Derrick it's like, Henry. and it's like, Henry. and you're like, what were you afraid of? Derrick Henry? You went, man, what? At some point it's probably going to be too many carries. CMC hurt every single year, just about Dalvin mm-hmm. cook hurt just about every single year. Right. It's just like, it, it's too risky to pay these guys. Anyway, of course, any football player can get hurt, but obviously it's higher with running backs. All right, let's do one more. And let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> Are you going to watch uh, Leo Messi's debut on Friday? Uh, I wouldn't have, unless you said it right now, but now I'll probably check it out a little bit. Yeah. Joe, I didn't yeah. even know he was who they debuting against on Friday. Uh, Cruz Azul, leaks cup Inter Miami. Hmm. Oh, is it, Joe, I got a question for you and this is my fault. It's okay. Does the MLS just take a month off right yes, now? Yes, they do. Um, yeah. What? The, Why wouldn't they do that during the Gold Cup or like during the international window? Believe me, I wish I could tell you. Uh, no, the, the the League's Cup, but it lines up with Mexico's schedule too. And um, they they have like one more week and then they're off until September 3rd. Yeah, they don't play any games in August. The I was entire looking, month I was, of I was August looking, like, is when entirely, can I see Messi play? Yeah. It's entirely the, the, the League's Cup, but it gives us a chance to watch Messi play for Miami. So. All right. I got to pee I'll and yeah, I'll watch it. Anyway, let's go. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. Share with your friends. Hit me up if you want to play Batano. See you later.